0: like evan said my name is fabian anderson i've been a member for several years here at christ central um and i help lead the women's bible study so um i am very excited to be here with you guys I'm sharing the biblical rationale behind it the ladies who are in the bible study know that i like to stay close to the text so um i really do love talking about the bible period, um, but then in a conversation like this, it's kind of just a part of my story since, since I am a black woman, feel so like anytime time I open up the Bible, I get to be in a cross-cultural situation um, because my whole background has been one where I've been the minority in majority spaces. Um, education was private white schools, um, went to a private, uh, private white institution in Carolina, and so I feel like God has just kind of molded my entire life for these moments. And I just, I'm just gonna live into it, you know, I just, I just live into it. Um, so grateful to be here with you guys. I've, d- I've done this work like formally, maybe like for five years. Uh, I've worked at an initiative at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary for four years doing um, racial reconciliation or race uh, diversity initiative work and uh, and then in certain church, so I'm grateful for the time. Like I said, um, and I'll just say this: I do believe that cross-cultural ministry is something I get. To, I just, it's not something I do because, like I said, you see, I'm black. It's just something I am. It's something that just is. And so, hopefully, as as you you know take in what Evan was saying and get some biblical rationale, you can also see too that it's something that you are actually are in whatever space you're in. Um, culture is not simply um, defined by racial categories because there's a cultural reality to me being a black person being in a black community. There's a, racial, there's a cultural reality of you being a white person being a, in a particular, more predominantly white environment too that's not the same. So there are layers to all of this. Um, but let's get started. I wanted to do, uh, an, a, the first thing that comes to your head, I want you to shout it out. I want us to do a, a quick word association with the word gospel. Um, there are no wrong, there are wrong answers, but yeah, you know. <laughs> but we're safe here. I'm pretty sure y'all will be all right, so I just want you to just throw out the first, first word that comes to mind um, when I would ask the question, what is the gospel? Anyone? Popcorn? Anyone? Good news. Okay, great, great. Um, and, and who is the gospel from? god great great um where would you find where in the bible would you find the gospel excellent excellent okay um and and who's the gospel for everyone right and then why do we have the gospel what what do we do with it why do we have it share it okay great awesome These are great answers and none of them are wrong this is not not a trick question there uh, just, and I trust that we all do know that the gospel is, is the good news of salvation um, from sin made possible by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, we, we know the mechanics of it, but I also want us to get a little bit broader with our perspective um, because sometimes our answers might be you know, more heavily rooted in the New Testament or might not encompass the whole counsel of scripture. So another question is, how do you perceive the gospel in, in the larger picture of the entire biblical story? So to broaden it, I want us to um, think about that a little bit. I know that we know the good news is about Jesus, and it's for all humans, and we like to go to verses like Matthew 28. I mean, Evan brought it up. It's a great passage because it, it does, in there, say that the message is for all nations, but sometimes I think that we think the nations are just like those people groups out there, the ones who I don't get to reach. Um, and, and so there might be a disconnect in understanding uh, the gospel and how it actually plays out in the communities, in the local communities in which we live. And so why do I say that I think there's a disconnect? Um, honestly, because we do seminars like this one today because we still need help in, in growing and learning how to uh, apply the gospel in our local context. And because this is really no surprise, our American history really does give us an extremely complicated and distorted and uh, fractured relationship between America's understanding of the gospel and race. Um, this is the same American history, though, they gave us Phyllis Wheatley, an enslaved poet who chided her white siblings in the faith with her poignant lines. Some view our stable race with scornful eye. Their color is a diabolic dye. Remember Christians, negroes, black as cane, may be refined and joined the angelic train. And it took a civil war, three a civil rights movement, three amendments, and countless protest citizens and speeches for this country to live a little bit more into the truth that has always been declared in scripture, that every person is created in the image of God and worthy of being treated with dignity. Um, It's a truth that's been proclaimed by both Christians and, and been proclaimed and resisted by both Christians alike all throughout every step in history. So as we live as New Testament believers in this particular moment in our nation's history, we have come a long way, in seeing how the gospel, um, in seeing the gospel a bit more clearly, and applying it a bit uh, in a better way than our forefathers. We like to apply Paul's words from Galatians three twenty eight: that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all for you are all one in Christ. And amen to that. Like that's that's great. That's great that we have you know, made progress in how the gospel used to be applied to how we're applying it today to people groups. Because our unity is possible by the red blood of Christ that flowed from Calvary and transcends all racial difference. But I wonder that in our efforts to tend to a wound of racial discord, that we neglect the whole body. We we tend to diminish the distinctions between our neighbors, while proclaiming a gospel to the nations um, and maybe in attempts to prove that we're beyond racial hostility? It seems that we diminish the, the distinctions when we say statements like, there's only one race, the human race, or I don't see color, Jesus saves all, no matter if you have polka dots, you know? And, and okay, but, but here's my question. In efforts to prove that we are past racial hostility of the past, are we holding to a colorblind gospel? Are we trying to hold to a gospel that does not see distinctions among our neighbors and efforts to uphold the unity of Christ? A gospel that would diminish the distinctions for the sake of unity? If so, this session is going to challenge that because um, that doesn't create unity, that creates uniformity. Moreover, the gospel must be examined in the whole Council of Scripture. And when you do so, it's apparent that the gospel is not colorblind at all. Because from the Old Testament, it's been not just the good news, it's been God's story. And it's not just from Jesus' ministry, but it's from God from the very beginning. And it's not just proclaimed in the New Testament. It's been God's intent from the lives of patriarchs who's lived in the Old Testament. And it's not communicated in just broad human terms. It's actually been specific with distinctions for the nations. And it's not we don't have it just to save souls for the kingdom to come. We have it for the here and now, for justice and righteousness. So we have to consider the whole counsel of scripture if we want to view a multi-ethnic, cross-cultural gospel correctly. And when we do so, we see that the gospel is a message on a mission to make a people. To be more specific, the gospel is God's multi-ethnic, cross-cultural message on mission to make a multi-ethnic, cross-cultural people. There are three factors I want us to consider as we look to scripture as it relates to developing a multi-ethnic, cross-cultural mission. Three factors and one caution. So the first one is intention. God's gospel message was multi-ethnic from the beginning. As God's intention, there is a biblical foundation for us to examine. God's intention was for the gospel to be a multi-ethnic message. Two, distinction. The intent that God has then implies that the people would then live in a multi-ethnic, multicultural community, and that community would have certain characteristics that would distinguish them from other people. We'll see this in scripture as well. Then God's gospel intent and the subsequent distinguishing factors should motivate us into action. And, we, and that action would be to build cross-cultural Christian communities where, we take, where, where it takes all of these factors um, to make this community. And we'll look at that too in scripture. But as of all things post-fall, post-genesis 3, um, we fall woefully short in having this biblically rooted, biblically consistent intention, distinction, and action. And so, as for a caution, we'll examine why I believe we fail to see God's intent for a multi-ethnic, cross-cultural mission. So good news moves. One day I came home um, from grocery shopping and I had like some, some, supplies for for a special treat. And my youngest daughter's four, her name is Raisa, and she saw me unpacking the groceries, and I pulled out the graham crackers, and I pulled out the marshmallows, and I pulled out the Hershey bars, and she's like, what is this? And I'm like, we're making s'mores for dessert. And I couldn't even get the sentence out. She goes, s'mores, and she turns around, runs out of the kitchen, and runs upstairs. Her siblings are upstairs. And so I can hear her saying, you guys, we're having s'mores for dessert. Because good news moves. It's good. It, you know, she was excited about having s'mores. And she was took off running to tell everyone that we're having s'mores for dessert. The gospel means good news in Greek. And it means God's story in, the old, in old English. God's spell, God's story. And so the gospel is God's story of moving toward man to tell man about himself for redemption and reconciliation in relationship with him. This is the good news. This means that God has a message and is on mission to make a people. Because it's God's story, we're really best to consider when God starts telling this story and to whom. So we're going to go to the Old Testament and as you'll see, the story of movement to man has been distinctly multi-ethnic from the beginning. Many refer to Genesis three fifteen as the proto-evangelion, the first telling of the good news, where God tells the serpent in the garden that the seed of the woman is going to crush his head. Um, you know, to, to, for this plan of redemption. But then the question is, but how did God then put this into action? Like, what did He do to make that truth a reality? And it starts with one man. Genesis 12:1 is the call of Abram. And now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And from the call of Abram in Genesis 12, we see that God is calling one man to be a seed to what will become a great nation. But that call was not just to be a great nation, but it was also to become nations, plural. We see this in Genesis 17, 5 through 7. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of a multitude of nations. You will be exceedingly multiple, uh, fruitful, and I will make, into you, make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And then who are these nations, though? Like, where are these people coming from? Well, a few chapters earlier in Genesis 10 through 11, we have what's called the table of nations, where we see the descendants of Noah's sons, Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and how they have, those three sons kind of made all the peoples of the land of a time who were living in the ancient Near East and Africa and Mesopotamia. And in God's story towards man, God wanted Abraham to be the seed that grows into a nation that in turn invites all these people from these other nations into a relationship with God. In missiology, they call this the centripetal mission of Israel, where they were the sinner and everyone would be drawn to them to worship God truly and correctly. And beginning with Abraham and in the, in the lives of the patriarchs, Everyone be attracted to this center, and the Hebrew people, and the Hebrew people were to be an attractive center for the nations, so they might so that they might join and be included in the people of God. God tells this same story of promise to Isaac in Genesis twenty six four through five. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and I will give to your offspring these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Move right on to the next patriarch, Jacob, in Genesis thirty-five, ten through twelve, and God said to him, "Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall your name be, or shall be your name." So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, "I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply." A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. In these verses, God is reaffirming his covenant with each man promising that nations, plural, would be included in his story, in God's story. In fact, if we take a look at at who belonged to these households of these patriarchs, we will find a very diverse group of people among the Hebrew people. I point this out because sometimes um, we might think that the people of Israel are monoethnic of themselves, but that's not the case. They were not. According to the promise, they were even never intended to be. Why? Because this is God's story moving toward all people, for all people to be restored. So you consider Joseph in Genesis 41, It recounts, um, you know, right in the middle of Joseph's saga, he's been sold by his brothers, sold to the Egyptians, thrown in jail, He survived all of that and earns favor with Pharaoh and gets elevated. And when he gets elevated, he gets married. And he gets married to um, Asenath and she's Egyptian. And he has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, the fact that these two boys are half Hebrew and half African is really significant because a few chapters after um, 41 and in, in chapter 48, when Israel comes to see Jacob and, is, and sees his sons, he blesses his sons, uh, Ephraim and, and Manasseh. And he says, now, now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are mine. The very people within God's chosen nation are multi-ethnic, and the patriarch, Israel, who received the promise of God's story and covenant, includes these half African boys in it. Esau Macaulay writes that Egypt and Africa are not outside of God's people, African blood flows into Israel from the beginning as a fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then there's Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute who hid spies of Israel when they were surveying Jericho. Her faith and her faithfulness to God's people allowed her to be included in the, in the people of Israel as well. And we know that she's mentioned in the lineage of Christ in Matthew 1-5. she marries Salmon and then she has Boaz. Now this is interesting because Boaz marries Ruth who is another example of a foreigner being included in the people of Israel because Ruth was a Moabite but look at it this way too. Boaz then stands between two of the four women included in Jesus's genealogy and he stands between Rahab his, his mother, and Ruth, his wife, and this kinsman redeemer holds two women who are from different nations together in the people of Israel. I mean, I'll just let y'all talk about that. <laughs> yeah. That blew me away when I thought about it. Um, so, God's story and God's movement towards man for relationship thro- flows through a multinational, multi ethnic people of Israel. This story of God, his good news of moving towards man for rescue, redemption, and relationship was always multi-ethnic. It's intrinsic to the story. It's his multi-ethnic cross-cultural message on mission to make a multi-ethnic cross-cultural people.